The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Nody no 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 nody no no notes nody no notes from the underground. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and sitting across from me is Mom. So hard, Tiziana Severse. Eat your broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> And behind the glass, Rocket Man Andy Bishop. I'm glad I don't have to be witty every time because I would fall short. I know. Between <laughs> between mom and so hard and I candy Kimsey. Yeah, mean, I was thinking <laughs> that. Billy too. Billy's always got something. Billy. Time. He has to work so <laughs> hard does. to bring him in there. You know? he's, he's got some good ones. I had to like pause it because I'm laughing so I hard. know. It's so funny. And now that we brought Sarita in, and I yeah. hope you can, since you can do some nights, you should come with the whole drove. Oh, I would love that. Just yeah. giant drove of asses in this room. Yeah. Sarita and Billy together are hilarious. Like mm-hmm. they're, they, they just, are. They're they like are really kids. funny. They are, they are like funny. they are very they like, are funny. And Rick will tell a blue joke, and then the two of them will like hear it even bluer than it was. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. they'll they'll take it to the next level, and they'll be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." You know, it's like, yeah, totally. "Yes, you do." <laughs> well, we're in the fourth part. Like we're we're finally at the fourth part of Samson. I think that this will probably wrap up our Samson, and which I'm actually excited about because we're going to do a little turn on the notes from the underground because. Um, Tiziana has done enough research and has, you know, she obviously can keep the the narrative going that she's taken over Notes from the Underground. We're going to have her do uh, Mary Magdalene coming up next after the, the Samson and Delilah one. And I'm super excited to hear what you're going to bring. Yeah, yeah, me too, because I don't know what, what I'm going to bring yet. <laughs> I'm super I'm excited, excited for you to hear to what I'm going to bring. <laughs> Tiziana hasn't worked out opinions yet on this. <laughs> no, I have plenty of opinions. Oh, wait, okay. I just haven't backed them up with text. That's okay. <laughs> that's the part. <laughs> yes. No, opinions are not in short supply over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so but, yeah. But it yeah. is unusual because usually I bring the study and, and I try to hold it and rein it in and all that. But I'm excited about that. I, w- I want to feel yeah, that switch. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited too. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be great. And then we'll get Andy to do uh, to lead one on the Targums, which we're going to learn about. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the Aramaic the Targums. Yeah, it's a thing. Look it up, guys. I don't have time to get into it. So we're jumping in right in. So if if you remember in the last episode, Samson has destroyed a harvest. He has by tying three hundred foxtails together, and which took a minute. And killed everything in its path, including the harvest. He goes down, hides in the cleft of a rock. And then the Philistines come looking. They invade into Judah. Because if you remember, they've taken over that section of Dan on the coast. Now they've invaded into Judah. It's a problem. So they send 3,000 men of Judah 
to go get Samson. And Samson asks him while he's in the, you know, while he's there in hiding, like, you're not going to kill me, right? You're my people. If you promise me you're not going to kill me, then, then I'll, then I'll come with you. They make him that basically like a solemn vow. We won't kill you. They bind him up with two new ropes, it says, and he gets back fresh. That's right. When he gets back, it says that it melted like flax and he rips the ropes and takes the jawbone of an ass and kills a thousand men. Over I the mean, course of 24 hours, we No, think? we just guessed. We yeah. Just, yeah, if it had been that length of time. I mean, how long can you survive without water? It's like three days? Yeah. yeah three the, days. Yeah, but the problem is the amount of physical exertion. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's why you would you be sweat. on the edge of death. It, yeah. Yeah. And I thought well, about— There were other Jerusalem. There were other—the Judites were still there. They yeah. You know, we don't know what happened with them, so we don't know if, like, they were— I wonder if there was uh, you know, other like, people involved yeah, in this. Like yeah, like, maybe they were just—maybe they weren't killing anyone, but they were fighting so that Samson wasn't like— Have you ever seen that in movies where there's, like, a yeah. dude in the middle, and then they're fighting mm-hmm. in a ring, but everybody, for some reason, just waits their turn to yeah. get— You know, yeah. you're like, like come every on. Every Bruce like, Lee movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, everyone just, like, hangs back and waits their turn. <laughs> yeah. That's not really how that would go. So no. I wonder if, like, the Judites were somehow or another— you know, like at least engaged in some kind of battle so that mm-hmm. Samson had time to like, you know, as Carmen says, take a donkey jawbone, bash in a few heads. You remember that guy? <laughs> Carmen? Carmen, the, the singer. Christian the Christian singer? singer. Yeah. yeah. Took a donkey jawbone, busted a few heads. That's like one of his songs. He says <laughs> oh that. my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, it's really funny because you said in the last one that you you could just, instead of a mic drop. Oh yeah. Donkey he, bone, he donkey, a, donkey bone drop. Yeah. He, he made a jaw drop. <laughs> Sometimes it's right on the tip of the tongue. You just don't get it out, you know? So let's jump into this, guys. So I had said in the last episode that I wanted to carry it on because I wanted you to hear, even though it's a a break, listen, listen carefully. It says, and he judged Israel. This is at the end of 15. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. The Gazites were told... Samson has come here and they surrounded the place. So that's how we go into Judges 16. So keep the thought. Remember, he judged them. I feel like that that verse should have been at the beginning of 16. That would have been a better break in my opinion. However, it says, and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Now, according to biblical scholars, the weight of the gate of Gaza is four tons. That's 8,000 pounds. That's like Hulk level. Yes, 8,000 pounds is what supposedly that this man did. You ever seen people like when there's adrenaline rush, pick up cars off of babies and stuff? I have. Yeah. Tear a door off. Yeah. Well, you know, so so I think that, and then he ruled X amount of years. That goes back to our once upon a time. Yes. It's it's a literary device. It is. It, It completes that section of the description of how he came into power and then what precedes you know, verse chapter 16 and and forward Mm -hmm. is tales of his heroic exploits. Yeah. 
So then, so we're saying, and then he did this thing. And again, we talked about this in the first episode. To judge Israel doesn't necessarily mean in a judicial fashion. It has more to do with being a military leader. Right, or a deliverer. So, yeah. right, a deliverer. So he became the judge of Israel for X number of years. And now we're going to give you some examples. But looking back to what was Gaza? It was one of the five cities. Yep. So he, again, is like chilling in a Philistine village for what? <laughs> Why are you even there? Mm -hmm. You know? So again, we still have these stories. So he becomes this judge of Israel, but he's also consistently antagonizing the Philistines mm -hmm. by going into their territory yeah. to mess with them on their own land. Again, it's a religious story of Hashem going and antagonizing Dagon, saying, you think based on your people's proximity to mine that you're winning and I just want you to know that you're not. Right. So much so that they're lying in wait for him. And instead of Because him, he went there all the time. Right. We, this is like the number, what, ninth time we've seen Samson, like, just go down to Philistine territory for the fun of it, you know? Yep. And if you think about it, I mean, what a dis not only just a display of power. So, yeah, this dude's super strong. But think about what he's doing. He's closing their gate. Like mm -hmm. they, they're closing the gate to keep you from coming in. Yeah. He picks it up and takes it to the top of a mountain. <laughs> well, because your walls are only as good as your gate. Yeah. So it's, again, it's a metaphor for the power that uh, of their God versus the Philistine God. Absolutely. And it also, it, it kind of reminds me of Hercules. Uh-huh. He's it's like the Herculean guy of the of the Israelites, right? He is the strongest absolutely, man yeah. in the Bible, it's according the strong, to the strongest Jew. The yeah, absolutely, the strongest Jew. So now we finally get into the title of this, which is Samson and Delilah. We're finally going to hear about this specific woman. Judges sixteen, verse four, and I'm going to read all the way through twenty two, and then we'll just talk it out, okay? Yeah. After this, so after he carried that big gate up on there. He loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, the lords of the Philistines were over the five cities. So that means there's 5,500 pieces of silver that they're willing to pay. Okay. And I, I did some, I did a little bit of searching here. And it says that in Judges 17, which is after the fact, it says that 10 shekels of silver was given to a certain man as a year's wage. Mm. 10 shekels. Wow. They I do also want to point out, though, what, what do you think would have happened if she said no? They would have burned her alive, just right. like they did the previous woman, right? Exactly. So it's not as if Delilah had, it's not like if she's like, hmm, that sounds like a lot of money, but let me think it over. No. That She didn't really have a choice. There's a no. lot of money or death. Yeah. Yeah, there is no choice. You know, and that's something that we said at the very beginning of this mm -hmm. study. Let's not just say, you know, Delilah's a whore. She's not just that. Well, she's no one not says anything. she's a prostitute either. No. It just says he loved a woman. Has he loved a woman. Never said she was a prostitute. It never did. But yet, I've heard that she was, just like they thought Mary Magdalene was. We love to delegitimize women by yeah. throwing them in the category of sex worker. Even mm, though true. some of the greatest heroes of the ancient world, females, had to be involved in some kind of sex work to get there, including Ruth and Esther. Yep. Hey. That's going to cause some people to get upset. But. I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it's very obvious. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? 
I mean, it's obvious. It is to me. Now, I don't know about uh, I don't know about Ruth. I definitely think about Esther. Oh, well, she was we can talk about trade. Ruth. No, but well, can we call her Ruth? L- the th- when first of all, this is very quick. When Naomi tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor, she tells her to get dressed up fancy. First of all, number num- one, number two, she goes and lays down at Boaz's feet and has him cover his her with her blanket. That's two. Number three, do you know what a threshing floor is? Oh, I know what they're doing. It's like hammering down on that wheat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. They are celebrating. <laughs> it is a time of drinking. You have worked really hard, and now you are threshing. Prostitutes were common on the threshing floor. Mm. That was a normal. So the fact that Naomi tells her to dress in her finery, look good, and smell good, girl, go down there, lay at his feet, and let him cover you with his blanket, and the fact that it's a threshing floor, what do y'all think she was doing? Come on, use your heads. She was beating the wheat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Boaz didn't have to. I got news. Ruth yeah. later that night, Ruth made it on the Wheaties box. Now yeah. he married her. That was the best I could right? do. He married yeah, yeah. her. He, was he the married her. Redeemer. He, he was a kinsman redeemer. So to me, and when also I talk the lineage about, of Christ. Right. So when I teach and talk about prostitution in the Bible and what should our current situation and approach as Christians be when we know people involved in sex work, whether it's the fans only page or a dancer, right? Only mm-hmm. fans page or a dancer. God is doing what God is doing and mind your business. Yeah. Because God had a plan and he inspired Naomi to tell Ruth what to do, knowing that even though she was engaging in this activity, it's because God had a plan of redemption. Did we mention that Ruth was a Moabitess? Mm-hmm. She's not even from there. We we cannot stay on track. It is literally impossible. It's great. Okay. <laughs> guys, if you guys want to learn about the Bible, then just sit around and talk. I mean, that's when you're going to learn. But anyway, so Delilah, not necessarily a prostitute. No, not at all. So, but the lords of Phil- the Philistines are willing. So if I said 10 shekels of silver was a year's wage. Yeah. And so she was going to give 5,500 shekels of silver. Now, these guys are kind of jerks. They probably wouldn't give it to her anyway. Let's just be real. However... That's what we're going with, all right? So so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Well, Sam- that's pretty direct. It is. And I'm wondering, like, what's Samson thinking? Does he know that she's getting plowed like his previous heifer? Or do you think that he's like, hmm. She literally wanna- tells him what the Philistines are up to. Yes. She's trying to warn him. I mean, she's... She's trying to warn him. (laughs) And she's trying to warn him because she's not able to say no to the Lords of the Philistines. She is in the most impossible position. And she's trying to warn him that she's in this impossible position. But, but I agree with you to an extent, but if you read on, it sounds a little fishy. And here's why. So Delilah said to Samson, you know, all of these things. Then Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in an ambush in an inner chamber. Now maybe it's just, again, she doesn't really have much of a choice. It's If we're going to use as we always do, <laughs> the Game of Thrones. When you think about what it takes to overtake someone, there's some sneakery and some conniving going on in the background. We know that it's never just face value. But if we take it at face value, it looks like she's doing exactly the bidding of the Lords of the Philistines. Maybe she to save her no life, choice. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
And now she had men lying in ambush in the inner chamber. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. So probably through tears, right? Please. Why, why are you lying to me? You must not love me. Right? Which is odd because you're going to find out that's not the truth. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have not behold you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber. But he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. This whole exchange is wild to me. Yep. This is just as... Oh, we're going to get into it. Yeah. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin... A loom. A loom. Yep. Then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, <laughs> Samson loves to sleep. So while he slept, Delilah took I mean, the seven. Everybody after. <laughs> there, there's that side of it too, right? That's what, I mean, that's what's going on. That's here, what's people. happening. She's having sex, and then he's passing out. Yeah. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web, and she made them tight with the pin and said to him, "The Philistines are upon you, Samson." But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web, and she said to him. How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. What is going on here? I mean, what is actually going on We're going to get into it. That's Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Not from birth, but from my mother's womb. Feminist read. Yep, you're right. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, notice how she she heard that. When he, when he tells her this, she knows that this is the truth. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go at go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. And where that is located, you know, I probably should have stopped it right before that. And, and you know... And the ground, and he ground at the mill in the prison. So this back and forth thing here, we it's are kind of hard for me to read that any literally. There's a couple of so there's a couple of commentators that I've read. Yeah, um, one of the commentators 
is has suggested that there's like a like a BDSM issue here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. That yeah. that um, there is an equality. There's inequality in Delilah and Samson's love relationship because he has this preternatural strength. Mm-hmm. And so what she's asking for is, um, and again, you know, looking into, we're going to talk about some queer culture. So, so talking about BDSM culture, um, you have the person who is receiving punishment and you have the person who is delivering punishment in that sexual scenario. But the person who is um, receiving the punishment actually has all the power. They are the one that has the safe word. They are the one that says enough is enough. They are the one that says I have chosen to make myself vulnerable to you, but I get to decide when that ends. Mm -hmm. So Delilah is saying, you have all the power in this relationship because you get to decide, you have all the physical power. I want you to trust me enough to tell me what the source of your strength is so that I can actually have the power and that you trust me enough to have that power. That's one read. Another read is she's trying to warn him and she's been trying to warn him all of these different times that she says, the Philistines are upon you and he wakes up and breaks out of the things. She's trying to warn him that this is what they've set her up to do because she's powerless to do anything again about it. Mm -hmm. Because again, we've already seen how the Philistines are. You know, even the 30 men at the wedding were like, if you don't find out the answer of this, it's it's, it's, we've already been set up for how this culture works. These 30 men go to the bride of Samson and say, if you don't figure out the source of this riddle, we're gonna kill you. And she Mm -hmm. does what? The same thing that Delilah does, cries and weeps and moans because she's not just crying for the answer to the riddle, she's crying for her life. Delilah's doing the same thing. All Samson had to do was be honorable, marry her and move her away. Mm -hmm. That's all he had to do. He didn't do that. He kept going down to where she was in Philistine territory Mm -hmm. to be with her. And she kept trying to warn him. So those are the two potential reads. One of them makes Delilah sinister Mm -hmm. because she's using sex, sexuality, and BDSM sexuality in order to subdue Samson to get her money, which is also, Samson was not like a good dude. So it's, I'm sure he, yeah. he didn't have a great reputation. It does say that he loved her, but it never says she loved him back, you know? Right. Because he was a jerk. Yeah, he seems like he'd be so, a little yeah, scary. So, so that's one read, and that's kind of puts Delilah in a somewhat of a, of a wicked position, right? Mm-hmm. And then this other read that she was powerless, had no options here, and was trying to warn Samson so that he could do something different with himself. Yeah. You know, and it depends on it really depends on your your opinion. The the biblical writers, right? They have an agenda because it's a religious story and the Philistines are the other. They are evil. They are the followers of Dagon. We don't like them. And so they're obviously have an invested interest in painting Delilah as they tended to do in that culture, the foreign woman who is the downfall of our society. Again, you see mm-hmm. that left and right once the kingdom is divided, the foreign women are the downfall of us all. Instead of any man ever taking responsibility for himself and his power, which is what Samson could have done. He could have taken responsibility for his power and risen up and rescued Delilah. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. No. Continued to break Nazarite law. Don't be with someone who continued to break Nazarite law by murdering people. Continued to break Jewish law by having relations with a non Israelite woman. Yep. And that's why God had to shave his head and start him over. Mm-hmm. Because what did we read in Numbers? When someone breaks their Nazarite vow, they are to shave their head and start over. Mm -hmm. So 
had to shave his head because at the very end of that, ver- what does it say? And the stubble of his hair began to grow. Right. This is the period of time in the story, in my opinion, where Samson, instead of just leaning on I've been, leaning on his mother's devotion to God, leaning on his mother's commitment to the Nazarite vow, this is when Samson actually begins to take responsibility on his own two feet Mm -hmm. for his Nazarite vow and for the gift that God has given him. This is when we finally see Samson humbled. He's starting to grow up. And maybe that was part of God's plan too. Mm. So this demonization of Delilah if you are going to hold her responsible, but you're not going to hold Samson responsible for the egomaniacal behavior that got them into this position in the first place, mm-hmm. then you're a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know how sometimes, I, I, I don't know if I was with you uh, when I talked about this before, but when we talk about salvation today, yeah, um, Gentiles don't necessarily, when we ask for, we repent of sin, or, you know, one of them is not following false gods, because we never were given a law telling us not to. The law was given to the Jew. They were God's people, so they were the ones who weren't supposed to do the things that were in the law, not the Gentile. Paul gets into that. They all get into it. But those who are outside of the Jewish world don't have those problems, correct? So, when I look at this story, I think about Delilah, and I separate her from that story. I don't look at her as a wicked woman. I look at Delilah as a woman who is a Philistine woman doing what Philistines do. I see Samson as being that person who is of the Jewish faith, who knows all of these laws and has been raised as a Nazarite, thanks to his mom. And he he has this hothead and he goes through all these things and he meets this woman. And this one actually is real to him. It's because she keeps doing that, whatever you call that, BDSM. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means. I, I assume... Is there what is that's a, it's uh, a bondage? It's, okay. it's kind of like it's like sadomasochism. Sadomac, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so, um, the terminology is escaping me because I didn't brush up on bondage something sadomasochism. I didn't, I yeah, I didn't yeah. brush up on my sex work. So I get, I figured it <laughs> right before yeah. I came in here. I should have, I should have been prepared. You should have, if known. you think about it. No, I know that. Hold on, I mean, keep talking. Yeah, anyway, so whether it's whatever it might be with the BDSM or how of all this stuff, again, we're just it's speculative. What we do understand is that the sub and the dom. Sorry, I just thought about it. The sub is the person who is is sub and receiving the mm. punishment, and the dom is the person who is dominating. Okay. And um, BDSM stands for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, sadomasochism, and masochism. Got it. So, but it just occurred to me also. So does I forgot. it mean that you like so the Delilah's sub and the, dom. the dominatrix? So she's is that what the dom say? and he's the sub. But in a traditional BDSM relationship, the sub actually has all the power. The sub has the ba- has the safety word. The sub has the the power. And so she, as the dominatrix, is asking him to usurp the sub power, which is actually do away with your safe word, do away with your ability to say, I'm done with this role playing right now Mm -hmm. and give me all of the power, which, and again, in a BDSM relationship, you wouldn't do that. Sure. That's like, you'd have to like, that's like, the sub actually has the power. So she's asking for him in that, that's, and that's one read. That's one Mm -hmm. commentator's read. No, of course. That's if you take it, you know, we don't know what the nature of their sexual relationship was, but I'm going to tell you something. Nothing new under the sun has happened. Well, if you want, that was the whole point of this. If you want to talk about it like everybody else talked about it, go to that show. You know, we're talking about it in our way. Right, 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 right. Sort of modernizing the idea here. So that's, that's, anyway, that's what, that answer that question. I mean, it makes sense that, um, not, not that it makes sense, but it's not wholly uncommon for 
men of a certain like power, and that doesn't mean necessarily strength, just whatever, to be tempted by those relationships oh, for whatever common. reason. Uh, yeah. Because there's yeah. something about when you have all the power, not having it for a second. Yeah. But even then you still kind of do. Even then you still kind of do. So, yeah, or like, you know, yeah, like men that feel like they have to be in control all of the time or in charge all of the time. Yeah. You know, they can't ever submit because their powerful position puts them in this place. Like there's a certain sort of longing because I think most people, male or female, Mm -hmm. we long to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We long to just not have to carry the mantle. I mean, why do you think Jesus like went out by himself in the morning all the time? Yeah. He longed, I think, for that vulnerable place of relaxation where you're not carrying away the world on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so in a sexual in the sexual realm, that's a lot of times how that can manifest with the BDSM relationships. So I was, while you were talking, I was listening, but also I was thinking, you know, we we talked about that young goat in that previously, you know, in the previous episode about the young goat, not really, you know, thinking it was a peace offering and all that. And then as I, as I continue to read, when he's with Delilah, at the very end of this, when she says, you don't, you don't love me. If you loved me, then you would truly tell me what was going on. And it's the first time in this entire story that Samson ever mentions God. He finally does. He says, the reason why I have all this strength is because from my mother's womb, he mentions his mother, from my mother's womb, I have had a Nazarite vow unto my God. I think in the previous episode, when we were talking about the young goat, I think that's the beginning of Samson sort of getting over himself a little bit. And let's keep in mind, I don't know if the Philistines sacrificed goats or not. I just know that the Israelites did. And so it's possible that Samson is taking that young goat, going to take his position as the man of the home and to do the things that he's supposed to do for this marriage. Sacrificing the goat might've been one of those things as he begins to consummate and have this relationship. So I think that the Israelites coming out of him a little bit. Yeah, but then he demonstrates that he's not ready. He was not ready. Because the first test that he has to like behave properly, he yep. behaves poorly, you know, and causes even more. So yes. now he's got, now it's like a second opportunity. There's a mirror. Yeah, so now it's happening again. It's another relationship mm-hmm. where now he, he actually utters God. I'm, yeah. Uh, I have the strength because of what my mother did and because of God. And so that told her everything she needed to know that, okay, he does love me because he just told me, this is a thing about God. And we know how religious these people are. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So she sees that, and then she seizes the opportunity. Delilah is doing what Delilah does because Delilah is a Philistine woman in a very harsh culture where men burn women all the time. And they're, you know, this is not easy for her, but she's doing it. And she's going to come out of this because she immediately went to him and they gave her the money. Yeah. Yeah, and in a spiritual, in a spiritual, yeah, on a spiritual level too, she's Team Dagon. That's of course. That, that's she's how not, she was raised. She's not a part of the covenant of Israel. She's never been given any of these laws. She wasn't there when 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 Hashem worked the miracle of delivering them through no. the, the Red Sea. She doesn't have any of that context. None of that. All she has is the God of her family and God of her tribe, which yep. is Dagon. So obviously, she's going to fight for that. It's the same way Cherry read the Jezebel Ahab thing. She was like, everybody takes you know makes it hard on Jezebel, like she's just this evil winch. She wasn't an Israelite, and she was helping her husband. Isn't that what she's supposed to be doing? Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's. Like, I get it. You know, I understand that. 
I really do. And I feel mm-hmm. like now we're at this place where, okay, he has matured. He loves this woman. He's taking ownership of who he is. And now he's released that. And when he does, the Spirit of the Lord leaves him. Yeah. How unique that once he finally gets to the place, then the Spirit of the Lord leads him, leaves him. And I think it's important. And I want you to think about Christ for one second here. I see a type. Mm-hmm. I see a type of Christ in this. When Christ goes to the cross, we know what he's doing as believers. He's giving himself, he's the man of sorrows. He's giving himself all because of the love of God. He is laid bare, right, for the salvation of us all. And I believe that we're seeing a type in Samson here, and we're getting ready to get into it when I read, we finish the story out. Think about that. Guys, listeners, you guys, as we read this, think about Christ and what he did for us. And then let's look and see how God uses Samson. He leaves him at the strangest point. And I want you to remember Christ's words on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. It sounds so similar right now. And and it's, it's the story of every person born with a destiny, at some point, you still have to decide. That is kind of a hero's journey. That this is something that you actually choose. Samson has decided, you know, at that point, Mm -hmm. he's recognizing that his Nazarite calling is a calling that has that has happened since his mother's womb, but yet he has not taken responsibility for. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays, if this cup can be taken from me, let it be taken from me. Jesus could have walked away from that situation. That time, at that moment, when the Garden of Gethsemane happens and the soldiers come to take him away, that is Jesus choosing his crucifixion. Yeah, He's been leading up to this point with a calling, Mm -hmm. but at that point, I believe he chooses it. I lay my life down. I choose this. For your sake. And that's when we really step into our power. Mm-hmm. All of us have a destiny mm-hmm. that we were born with. Yep. But it's when we decide to step into it and walk in it, that's when the power really. Which is exactly why I That's love, when you change the world. I always come back to Jesus in this mm-hmm. way every time. Yeah. I, I think you do too. I like, do. We always come, because we know what he did. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> what is it that, what was it that, uh. Gandhi said, I love your Christ. I don't like your Christians. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's funny. Right? I didn't know that, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I get where you're coming from, bro. Yeah. Like, I see, you know, because we, we can be a real mean bunch. Mm. We're very judgmental. We're out there, you know, affecting our We can be world. a black or white bunch. We are very much so. There's we no are gray a black area. Or white bunch. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love talking in the grays. Yeah. You know, just to see mm-hmm. God's so much bigger than that, man. He well, can handle it. I mm-hmm. think people are all gray. It's just, they just, when they have conversations in order to protect themselves, they kind of eschew some subtlety sometimes. Sure. Well, let's get into the end of this. And so now uh, we finally got to where Andy knew about Samson, which was that he got his haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had no idea he was such a generally detestable. <laughs> he yeah. Sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he was. So Judges 16, verse 23 through 31. I'll just read this out. We'll finish this this uh, in four parts, which is cool. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to, get, to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. 
for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Uh, now the people are surprised. They're like, oh, our God has given this because he was unstoppable. Yeah. All right. And so, he was the military leader in Israel. He was the he deliverer. Was judging. Yeah. Our God has given our enemy in our hand, the ravager of our country. We've seen that. Who has killed many of us. We've seen that. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. Yep. Wow. And they were drunk. So they called Samson out of the prison. And remember, he was down there milling. Basically, it was what a donkey did. They would hook a donkey up to the mill grindstone and grind the meal. That's what Samson was doing. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. Which is what a woman would do. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they further humiliated him. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I might lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and his right hand on the, with his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing the type? Mm-hmm. Then oh, yeah. he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. So his father had died at this point. He had judged Israel 20 years. And that's how Samson's story ends. I had to see that. I didn't know either. I find it fascinating that after his hair is shaved, though, there is no more mention of the Spirit of the Lord. It, it says he cried out to the Lord, but it's yeah. not like the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him with the lion or the Spirit of the Lord rushed nope. upon him with the jawbone. It's really, really interesting to me. And I'm, I'm just curious about that. I think that it's, it mentions the hair. Like you said, it's growing yeah. back. It's coming back. So he's at his weakest state. It's starting to come back. But it did. Instead of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, he called upon the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah. It wasn't like he said, okay, God, I'm going to kill this lion. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord made him kill the lion. Mm. Oh, I want to kill these thousand men, Lord, help me. Nope. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and then he did so. Mm-hmm. In this case, yeah. he's at the most vulnerable state, mm-hmm. completely forsaken, mm-hmm. and he calls on God this one last time, let me die with the enemy. Yeah. And then he kills more of them and destroys the temple of Dagon. Yeah. And the lords of the Philistines. And the lords, so he takes them out. Which put them into a scramble. Yeah, put them into a scramble for a little while. They didn't didn't go into a scramble permanently because obviously they still had enough power uh, by the time David rolls around that the Philistine fight is still in full effect. You know, They, they, they now were on the borders of Judah at that point. Right now they're just on the borders of, so they had made some headway. Their territory had expanded. So, but I mean, I'm sure it put a hurting on them. It, it made it take a while. Oh yeah, it changed yeah. some stuff. So I want to read a verse in the New Testament. It's, and I'm going to try to read it in several versions. Okay. I just want you to hear it. First Corinthians 2, 8. 
Well, we'll start a little bit earlier. This is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now listen closely. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. My point is this. We, we've talked about the divine counsel and so many other things, Andy, um, in our side studies. The rulers weren't aware of who Christ was. Satan tempted him. If you're the son of God, then do this, and he would rebut him. And if you're the son of God, do this, and he rebutted him. And so he's in this, he's fighting the chaos monsters. He's fighting the demons. He's fighting all this stuff. The demo, you know, he's, he has power of the demonic. He's making people walk. He's making the blind see. The you know the the deaf can hear. Christ has the power over this demonic, chaotic world. That's what he can do. But as he gets to the end of his ministry, he is in the garden and he's praying at the rock and he says, "Let this cup pass from me." He has these great drops of the sweat, like drops of blood that are coming from him. He's like, it's like he's in the press. Like he's he's yeah. really going through it. And then he's brought before the Sanhedrin and he's brought before the King Herod and before Pilate and the high priests. And like, he's going through all of this stuff. And they keep asking him like, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Like just trying to get him to utter it. And the high priest says, are you the son of God or not? And he said, you said it. And you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with his holy angels and with fire. He said, you will see it, right? So by the time they get him to this point and they crucify him, it's over. The disciples think it's over. The women are worried about burying him. The one woman who had, you know, wiped his, you know, put anoint the uh, spike nerd on him was preparing him for his burial because they literally didn't have time to prepare him for his burial. Yeah. They threw him in the tomb, you know, yeah. before the sun went down. Mm-hmm. So it's over. And it's in my opinion that the enemy thought it was over too. Mm-hmm. And if they had really known the true, because we learned that in the New Testament, yeah. if they had really known, they never would have killed him. Mm-hmm. Because if the Philistines had known, they never would have brought Samson in that temple. Yeah, they wouldn't have dared. No way. Mm-hmm. They they were doing it for their entertainment. They were doing it for their own pleasure. Well, and so was so was their god. Yes, it was a battle between mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure Dagon. You know, we're talking about we talk about these gods as if they're not real. No, they were they were real. They were. Yes. They had, you know, and so there was another there was a there was a spiritual entity that was in conflict with Hashem mm-hmm. and thought that it had won something. That's right. And he was the god of gods. Mm-hmm. And so I see that type in Samson. I see him. I don't see Christ as the narcissistic crazy person. I think the Christ is the best of all men, but he is also very humble and meek. His strength is in meekness versus in, do you know what I mean? You get it? Like the more, the more meek he is, the stronger he is. I mean, that's definitely like a tone shift that happens between the, the first half of the Bible and the second half. Yeah. Old to New Testament. Yeah. 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 I can see that, but it's, and it's Christ that creates the tone shift. He's, he's the reason. Yeah. He's the reason why all that happens. So, I think of I think it's safe to say that um, Delilah isn't the enemy like we have always thought that she was. I think Delilah was doing what Delilah was 
raised and bred to do in her, you know, in her own culture. And Samson put himself in that position. And Samson did it for whatever reason that he did it. But God used him to overcome the other God and to prove himself out. And that's a religious story, and that's how they work. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a foreshadowing. It's a type. It is. Yeah. And Christ is the antitype. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So good. Did you bring any more jokes today? No. That was my one Bible joke. Just one? I have a couple others, but they're really not appropriate. Oh, they're— <laughs> Bible jokes. Oh, you haven't. Obviously, haven't heard my jokes, huh? Yeah, you haven't heard the. I I mean, (laughs) they're not super inappropriate, but well, no, like the three women, the three women die and go to heaven, and and you know, they're Peter's lending a man, and he's taking taking their clothes off and putting on their robes because these were good married, you know, wonderful married women, you know, and Uh the first one. You know, he notices when she's disrobing out of her human robes and putting on her normal clothes that there's an H on her chest. And he's like, what's that about? She said, oh, you know, I was married for, you know, 45 years to my husband and he was a Harvard graduate. So we often wore his Harvard sweater when we made love. And so after years, just had this H on my chest. And he was like, oh, well, you know, you're doing your wifely duties. You're a wonderful woman. Enter into heaven. So the next one comes up. And he's like, you know, you're a wonderful woman, Christian woman. You're a, you're a beautiful wife to your husband. Let's get you out of your your earthly clothes. Let's put you in your heavenly garb and send you on your way. And so they're doing that. And there's a P on our chest. And he's like, what 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 happened to your your body? He said, oh, you know, it's just, it's just that my husband had graduated from Princeton and he, you know, had a wonderful, um, you know, he's a wonderful man. And he had this, you know, he loved, um, uh, he went to, he, he loved his alma mater and he went to Princeton. And he wore this shirt every time we made love. And after years, of course, you know, after 45 years of that, they just got the P on my chest. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, so she goes on the way. <laughs> Next one comes in. And um, same deal, just wonderful Christian woman, was married to her husband for 45 years, you know. And he's like, you know, we've looked at your your history. You are a good, godly woman. Let's get you out of your earthly attire, get you in your heavenly robes and send you on the way. As she's doing that, she's got a W on her on her chest and he says you know what let me just guess your husband went to Michigan State your, your, your husband went to, went to Washington State University she says no Michigan why <laughs> <laughs> I get it it's funny it's holy mackerel very cute say so that's not that's not that bad it's, it's not no, not as I bad mean, as we've told no Rick Rick's the last couple episodes we've We've like I made, I made them was, all cringe. Oh, they were like, weird, yeah. "What?" Well, that would too. Like I messed up the punchline. No, yeah, but still, yeah, messing yeah, it up sort of softened the blow a yeah. little bit, but not, not enough. Blow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. Uh, do you know when the first recorded um, sport of tennis was in the Bible? Oh wow, that's interesting. Oh, this is it's a joke. This yeah. Is a joke. So now I gotta write. Court. Good job. Yeah, Something you're... about court, about <laughs> back and forth in court. I don't know what. When uh, when Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's not bad. That's so, not, I like that. I thought I'd take your hideously nasty, dirty joke. And I then... was trying to think of Stephen being stoned in court. Like, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was like, you know, but I was like, well, that's New Testament. That's literally, he's got to be older than that. Yeah. 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 I was literally trying to think of the punchline. Well, that brings the Samson and Delilah to a close. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, was it cool. was. Yeah, I learned a lot. It's I funny did. how fast it wraps up, though. Yeah, it like like it's all it's all like front front two thirds. Yeah. we could have broke. It's just like you once you get the gist of the culture. 
and you sort of place yourself in it, then you can read the text and you it, it makes it easier to flow because mm-hmm. you know, like, because that's all we've talked about is remember, this is a different culture than this. You know, yeah. it's so easy to, to, to heap all the laws onto the Philistine people. They weren't God's people. So they they shouldn't be expected to hold that same level, right? Yeah. And so it does, and we could have went deeper and deeper and deeper into this, but at some point, you know, you got to say, you got to study on your own. That's why we're supposed to be Bereans, you know, study on our own, you know? So we could do an 87 part, you know, on Mary Magdalene, I bet we could. Oh, yeah. If we yeah. really wanted to dig deep. So I'll leave that up to you. You make it as many parts as you'd like. So. Well, anyway, thanks, Andy, for being here. Thanks, Tiziana, so much. I can't wait to get together. And uh, guys, go check out our Patreon page. Um, We're getting some people in. It's awesome. Uh, People want to give. I've been putting out some more content, so go check it out. And um, we are heading to Virginia Beach. Uh, Very excited about that. You're going to be hearing that coming late in the summer and into the fall. Gary DeMar is coming in September. I'm super excited. He's coming to the studio, Gary DeMar is. That's really cool. That's cool. Andy has no idea who he is. And I'm so glad. Um, He's huge. Not like a big man, but he's huge, (laughs) huge in the Christian world. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We will talk to you next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Sweet. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's, I feel that frustration. I feel like whenever the disciples were with Jesus and they were learning him, from him directly, that they were only getting part of it. And they they were, each one of them were getting the parts that they were supposed to get when they were supposed to get it. And then, and and I know that because when, after the resurrection, it's like they're all surprised, you know, like yeah. they just run away and oh, it's all over, you know? Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, he comes back and then there's moments when it says that the spirit opened the scriptures to the mind so they could understand. Yeah. And I want that moment. Yeah. Like I have those places and, yeah. I, and I have in my life, I have these rock altars I've built throughout my life where I've learned something. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I've really learned that. But then I always remember what Paul, when you think you know something, you don't. You, you know? don't. Yeah. Now we see those, but darkly as though through a glass, then we shall not fully, even as we are fully known. I know. I lean on that a lot. You know, in that, so in that book, it's like a, you know, they have those like boxes in the middle where they, yes. you know, talk those, about stuff. I enjoy those. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So there is one in there when we start getting into the prophetic literature where there's a little box. So when the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek, right, which we have, which we call the Septuagint. Right. And considering that um, the New Testament, a lot of it is in Greek, yes. right? So they were reading the Septuagint, not the original, um, he, not the original Hebrew a right. lot, in a lot of ways. Um that the term in Isaiah, a virgin will give birth, is a mistranslation. It is. It's, I've read it's it. It's the maiden. Yep. But because there was no word in Greek for maiden, because Isaiah's children were signed children. So Isaiah, in his life and time, was actually talking about his wife giving birth, but it was supposed to be a metaphor for Christ later on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a maiden gives birth. It has nothing to do with um, virginity. Mm-hmm. And so that puts me back to that whole thing with the Immaculate Conception 
and whether or not that was actually the prophecy Mm -hmm. that Mary was a virgin. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I can say is, first of all, you're 100% accurate. I've studied this out too. It is not virgin. It's not. It Mm -hmm. is maiden. It's a young woman. And at this point... um, Ow! Oh my God, ow! (laughs) Greg just climbed up Andy's leg. Ow! Fucker. Just like stuck the claw right through my pants and like what she's done, but usually it doesn't go... Also into my flesh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, that kitten, kitten nails are the Listen, worst. Listen, you got to understand, that's a bush cat. Yeah. Okay? He did get up in the bush by not doing that. Yeah. He's a survivor. <laughs> he not going to give up. Listen, <laughs> I could do that all day, and I probably will. <laughs> I, have, I love it. Yeah. But in any case, virgin versus maiden. Yeah, and so whenever... But we do know that she was betrothed, and because... The spirit, because the angel came to her and she Uh had known not a man, she said, because I've known not a man. Remember, she actually says that. So, because Mary says, because I have, how can this be since I've known not a man? Right. That we put the word virgin on it. So, she had not been with a man and that this was from the Holy Spirit. Now, the question is, um, is she being overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, as it says, is kind of a thing that has only really happened once ever. Yeah. I, you know, so... Sounds a lot like pain. I start getting creative at this juncture, though. Like, we've talked about this before, I think. I don't have any strong beliefs about this particular issue. Sure, sure. I have curiosities and ideas mm-hmm. and things. And I consider, I think a lot about Mary. I think a lot about Mary and saying, "I have known not a man." First of all, um, you can be assaulted, not penetrated, and still get pregnant. Mm. You can be assaulted and not count that as being with a man because it was not something that you wanted to do. Yeah. And if you look at the Levitical laws around a woman and sexuality. If a woman is is raped in the country, um, it's not her fault and nobody considers that her fault. If she's raped in the city, um, that is her fault and she should be stoned to death. Mm. That's wild. Yeah. Some possible interpretations, because again, we don't really know, right? We don't. Uh, some possible interpretations of that are, for example, if she was in the country, she could have screamed and no one could have heard her. Mm-hmm. But if she was in the city, um, she could have screamed and people would have heard her. So if she didn't scream, maybe she was into it, right? But there's lots of things. You could have covered her mouth. You could have had a knife to her neck. There's lots of reasons why a woman could be raped in the city and it's still considered rape. I'm curious, the story I invent, I invent it. I get it, right? Yeah. The story I invent is that Mary was assaulted and kept it secret to herself because if she had told anyone, she would have died. And she was about to start showing that she was pregnant and she was going to die anyway. I mean, that's the, that's actually um, an ancient thing. There's a lot of people that have talked about that. And Bart so, Ehrman from yeah. the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, actually says she was a young girl in trouble. I've heard all of these before, yeah. Oh, I haven't. I, I, th- I thought I made this up, so that makes me feel better. Man, so, you're up there with the philosophers and yeah, because that thing is Andy's it, with the rabbis. No one said she was a virgin, I mean, right? No one said that is not the correct translation. Yeah, right. Of not. course, she would lie to the angel and say, "I've known not a man," because mm-hmm. she would be about to be dead. And what is to me because I'm not attached 
to, again, this goes back to our previous conversation about high Christology versus low Christology. I am not attached to Jesus's DNA being half divine. Jesus was 100% divine to me, and I don't need the miracle to have happened in order to make my uh, my love for Jesus and my belief in who God's who he said he was mm-hmm. i don't it's not attached to that yeah it it doesn't matter to me and for me it's more miraculous that god looked down and saw this woman in trouble and knew that she was going to be stoned to death pregnant and stoned to death mm-hmm. she still could have been even going with the if if joseph had decided not to put her away privily yeah. She still could have been stoned to death. Exactly. So the fact that God said, no, please, 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 I, I'm in charge of this. I'm going to fix this. I have a plan for this baby. I don't want this baby to die. I have a plan for this baby. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit comes and overshadows Mary and does whatever miracle to the DNA that mm-hmm. the Spirit of God does. Because to me, you know, like for the, in the, I believe it's the, Church of Latter-day Saints that believes God physically came down and impregnated Mary physically. Mm -hmm. That's gross. Yeah. So what, you know, what happened there? It just says he overshadowed her. It just says he overshadowed her, you know? Yeah. And here we have, and it's relevant to Samson because what we're talking about is when a child is in utero, the relationship between God and that mother can affect (sighs) the DNA of that child. Samson never took a Nazarite vow. His mother did on his behalf and it changed his DNA. I think the Holy Spirit of God overshadowed Mary and changed that baby's DNA. Mm -hmm. I think Mary was probably assaulted. And then God, God saw that it was not her fault that she had no power, there's nothing to do with her. Her genetic line, Mary's genetic line is still descended from Judah. It's not attached to Joseph. No, it's through her. Right. So it's all through her. Same same conversation we had about John Which the Baptist. Which is unusual in genealogy, by the way. Right. To me, I just hear, God, goosebumps, the Spirit of God crying out and saying, don't you understand? I made them in my image. Mm-hmm. Both of them, women are just as important, just as valuable, and just as much a part of my plan. They matter. Yeah. And so I'm going to overshadow the man that harmed her and create this covenant with Mary's blood and Mary's egg and Mary's seed. And together we are going to produce the Messiah. Mm. Joseph, Brass, all good. Just marry her. I was going yeah. to do this anyway. So I know how powerful this looks you feel like about it because your knuckles are like white. Like yes, here. this is like, but because like, like, but again, it's like, I am a woman. I walk around with the spirit of God inside this body that society says, sit down and be quiet. I am currently with child. You don't show, it's going to make me cry because I'm super hormonal. You don't show really for the most part, especially if it's your first baby until you're like five months pregnant. That's a human being. Yeah. And they were going to stone her Five months of death. terror. <laughs> yeah, or at yeah. least whenever she figured yeah. it can out. Can you imagine? I can. I yeah. can. And God was like, no, please, don't do this. Yeah. I wish he'd done it for all of them, <clears throat> you know, and maybe he tried. We don't have the recorded stories of every woman who was raped and then showed. We don't have those recorded stories. That's, this is one of the reasons why I love this show so much mm-hmm. in comparison to our church life. Yeah. Because when we're in church life, it's almost like we have to be so literalist that because we read it in a specific way and because our doctrines say that it's a specific way, that we can't think outside of the box. Yeah. But there are women who have been 
abused or raped and had children and actually had those children and raised those children Mm -hmm. and turned them into functioning adults, good adults in society. It's happened. And if if God knows all of us Mm -hmm. and that Christ walked here, like you told me in the one episode in John the Baptist, you're like, I'm just so glad to know that he was like me. Mm Mm-hmm. That that we have, you know, he is a high priest that we can reach out to. Yeah. So you know, He's I don't have a problem a looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, I'm I am a very much very much a biblical literal, literalist, but mm-hmm. as I said, I started reading your books, you know, and and some yeah. of them are like, yeah, I mean, we we need to be able to stretch ourselves a little bit to suggest <clears throat> that Mary wasn't actually a virgin and that her birth was not immaculate is a hugely heretical. It's heretical. That and- is insane. Insanely heretical. And I just want to pause also and acknowledge that for any listeners that are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. I get it. I agree with you. Yes. It is heretical. And it's also wrapped up in the text. Yeah. And what was said was what was said, even if we turned it into something it never was meant to be. And again, you'd have to look backwards into when high Christology, which is, again, the the focus on the divinity of Jesus Christ versus the focus on his humanity. That is when we say Christology. Low Christology is a focus on the humanity of Jesus. High Christology is a focus on the divinity of Jesus. When you start seeing the Catholic Church use high Christology as a weapon and a tool for control of the people— you start to understand why the Immaculate Conception became such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole other conversation, the Nicene Council of 325, Hominus versus, was he the same substance of, as God versus not? Whole different conversation. It's been going on forever. But that's why that conversation was so important mm-hmm. because you had certain sects of Christianity that were like, stop with this using the divinity of Jesus Christ as a way to cancel out his humanity. That's His humanity is what makes him relevant to us. Yeah. Read the book of Hebrews. It's all about yeah. his humanity and what he did for us and how he became that spiritual great high priest because he was like one of us. Yeah. So. It's important to note. Well, <sighs> turn the ship around, Rick. Yeah. Turn it around, turn it around. Uh, 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 uh. Sorry. Listen. I'll- <laughs> 